The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean, and here with you on this uh, Monday morning, November the 29th, 2021, here in the uh, the beautiful state of Arizona, the city of Tucson, my hometown, and I can't even begin to tell you how glad I am to be back on the air with you guys. I have absolutely missed this. Uh, I've probably missed you guys, even though I don't get to interact with you, you know, in a, in a live sense on the air. Uh, I probably missed you guys more than you've missed me, which is, I, I guess, indicative of, of just how much I love my job and how much I love what, uh, what I do, um, you know, and, 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 uh, being there for you guys and just kind of sharing my opinions and thoughts and, uh, insight and news and, uh, just kind of talking about sports here with you guys or at you guys I guess for the uh, for lack of a better term but uh yeah I mean look you know got covid um early basically like the second day of November and it was a brutal one it was uh it was rough I um not to get too you know like too much into this because we have about a million and a half things to talk about today in regards to sports um but uh, I do have a a rare health condition, very, very rare health condition, actually, that causes me some considerable problems whenever a virus enters uh, the body. And a lot of times I end up with pneumonia. And, again, I ended up with pneumonia this time. This time it was COVID pneumonia, which is a different kind of pneumonia. And uh, yada, 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 by the time things would all, you know, the dust is all settled, uh, it was about four weeks of, of recovery time. And uh, I'm still, you know, I'm st- I've still got a ways to go here. Um, in fact, if you hear kind of, if you hear me pause for a moment in the middle of the show, it's because I'm just trying to catch my breath because uh, I literally have about 75 to 80% lung capacity right now. So um, talking for, for uh, long periods of time tends to uh, take its toll on me. I just don't have enough breath to support it all. So, um, gl- but glad to be back, man. I've, I have, uh, absolutely missed this. It was funny. I was telling Mary before the show, I was looking, uh, cause I here in, in my office, I have the, uh, you know, I, I write out a show sheet for every day with all the topics that I'm going to be covering and some, um, some bullet points and just things, you know, like little notes and things. It's a, it's a complete mess and people look at it and they're like, what in the world is all that? Uh, I'm just old school that way. Um, but uh, I was looking at my show sheet from the, the the essentially the last show that I was preparing for, and I was like, oh my gosh, some of these stories like they're just dead and gone. Like they, people have forgotten like Buster Posey's retirement, and there was some other strange things in there. And uh, the I think it was right around the time that Aaron Rodgers was caught in his uh, fib, I guess if you will. So it was kind of interesting. Kind of I was like, because I hadn't really looked. I mean, I've been in the hospital and basically in bed for the last uh, three and a half weeks. So um, I didn't get a chance to come into the office too much and and uh, and look around and kind of nose around and some things and turn on the old uh, microphone, and and uh, here we are. So glad glad to, to be back with you guys here. Uh, hopefully you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hopefully you're all uh, safe and healthy and enjoying your holidays, and uh, uh, hopefully you didn't get trampled or anything or even attempt to go out, for that matter, on Black Friday. It's, I, it's, I just, 
it's one of those days where I'm just like, I just want to lock myself indoors, not go anywhere. Um, I, I used to, I worked electronics retail a long, long time ago, long, long, long time ago. And Black Friday was just, it was just the worst. Like it, it, it just brings out the absolute worst in people. I'm, you know, and, and, and you know, th- so long ago, in fact, anyway, we had cordless phones and stuff that were on sale, like Black Friday. So I was like, get this cordless phone for $10. Like, it's the biggest piece of junk on the planet. Like, it, it may even never work. And people are running over each other with carts trying to get to this pile of cheap, <laughs> cheap cordless phones. I'm just like, man, you people are crazy. So I kind of learned my lesson. Don't go out on Black Friday. Uh, and if you do, just, you know, pick your spots and make sure it's only for necessity purposes. So uh, hopefully you guys are all safe and happy and healthy and uh, ready to uh, kick off a new week and ready to actually, you know, get the holiday season, uh, you know, the, the final, the stretch run here in the, uh, you know, down the down the back stretch we come as we head towards uh, Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to you all out there who celebrate Hanukkah, to all of our Jewish friends out there. As a very, very festive time of year, of course, for that as well, and plenty of other things going on. And gosh, there's just so much. It's, you know, late November and December, some of the best time of the year as we get ready for bowl season in college football. And yes, I am one of those people who absolutely love bowl season, um, covering the sport for as long as I have. You can always tell the people who who actually, like, cover college football and are, you know, in the locker rooms and you know, kind of in the trenches, if you will, as opposed to the people who are just sitting there typing, you know, a story on their laptop or a talking head inside of a studio or something like that. Those are the people that usually talk about how worthless the college bowl games are and they're a waste of time and nobody gives a rip. But for those of us who have been, you know, down in the trenches, on the sidelines, in the locker rooms, I can tell you very much that these uh, these games mean a lot to uh, to those young men. And to the coaches, and you know, for a lot of people, uh, you know, parents, and for administrators. I mean, it's it's all you know, it's all uh, uh, an experience for everybody that's that's involved in the football program. So yes, I do love college football bowl season, and we will be talking about the college football bowl games. Of course, none bigger than the uh, the, the New Year's Six games, and uh, we'll have some information and discussion on that a little bit later on the show because rivalry week has just wrapped up. Some huge games, of course. The Iron Bowl was absolutely insane. The uh, the snowstorm in Michigan, in uh, in in Ann Arbor between Ohio State and the Wolverines. Of course, that was an uh, an incredible game. And by the way, might I just add, when Michigan was five and zero, long seemed like forever ago. When Michigan was five and zero, I predicted that Michigan was going to beat Ohio State this year. This was going to be the year that Jim Harbaugh gets off the Schneid. They're playing at home. They're a much more physical team. They've got a pass rush. Uh, I just felt like this was going to be Michigan's year. And lo and behold, I got that one right. So I nailed one, one out of like 13, I think, that I made on that day. I'm kidding. I need to go back and look. There was probably some more that I got right, but not all of them. That's for damn sure. So we'll talk some college football a little bit later on uh, in the show. We'll talk some NFL, of course, as we always do. You know, that's my promise to you here on the Jeff Dean Show as we talk NFL 365 days a year or whatever days I'm going to be on the air if I don't. It's on a weekend or don't have COVID or something going on. Uh, so we will talk some NFL as well. We'll also have some NBA, some college basketball. Of course, the Wildcats, both men's and women's teams, still unbeaten on the season. Um, you know, both teams have been tested, and they have passed those tests with flying colors as of right now. 
And there are some other challenges ahead, of course, as the Wildcats get ready for Pac-12 season. They play Washington on Thursday night at the McHale Center. The, uh, the men's basketball team gets ready for, uh, for conference season, and the women's team continues to roll. They're uh, champions coming back from paradise, and uh, so we congratulate them. We'll talk about some college basketball as well. But we begin today, of course, with Wildcat football. Now, over the weekend, the Territorial Cup game, of course, did not go the way that uh, Wildcat fans and players and coaches had hoped. But, you know, this is one of those years talking to fans – media, friends, just, you know, it, just being myself, you know, looking inward into myself and how I felt about this year's game. It it almost wasn't about the game this year. Like, I, obviously important, and you want to win that football game more than anything. But a lot of times, Wildcat fans hinge their entire season and hinge the outlook of the next year and all these other things on the teacup game. And... It wasn't that way this year. It felt different. At least for me it did, and, and I think for a lot of people, um, at least that, that I spoke to, it, it felt different as well. You know, and even just talking to Arizona State fans up here, you know, people that I know more than I should, uh, Arizona State fans, they were, like, indifferent to the game themselves. They are like, ah, oh, we suck. You guys are probably going to beat us, and I don't care about the game. And it was it was just a weird, like, you guys are seven, eight-win football team, maybe a nine-win football team if you win your bowl game and you're completely despondent. I, I, I don't I don't understand it. But for Wildcat fans, it it was it was something much more than just the football game, more than just the Territorial Cup game, more than, than trying to reclaim the Territorial Cup. And I, I don't know if maybe it's because we had resolved ourselves to the thinking that you know, maybe we weren't going to win the game, or we had no chance to win the game. I, you know, I don't know what you know what the what the reasoning was. I felt like we had a chance to win the football game from you know from the get go, and all the way up until the pick six was thrown, I still thought we had a chance to win that football game. Um, you, you know, and and it, to me, it, it kind of speaks to what the focus has been, not only for the fans and for the administrators, but inside that program as well. It's not just about one game. It's not just about one season. This season had to happen regardless. This was going to be um, a a painful uh, experience for a lot of people inside the program, outside the program, fans, media, whatever. This was not about trying to secure as many wins as possible as we normally would in a football season. This was about trying to completely rebuild a broken program. You know, and we and we talked about it, you know, how far does it go back? And we talked I talked about it at the, at the beginning of the year, even before the year began, how far does it go back? It goes back 5-6 years. It's not just about the last two seasons, uh, you know, complete failure seasons under Kevin Sumlin. It goes back much further than that. You know, to the to the the recruiting lacks and uh, laziness displayed, and maybe you know I, I, extracurricular activities. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, the, the The lawsuit was was dropped. Um, there was no settlement out of court. So I, you know, whatever. But Rich Rodriguez uh, failed at his job in the final two seasons that he was here. You know, and and that's where it kind of goes back to. So I think a lot of Wildcat fans, at least, and, and just speaking for myself, and I I feel like. I'm ingrained enough in the community, even though I don't live there day to day. I'm there a lot. 
I still speak to t- people in Tucson every single day, family, friends, colleagues, whatever have you. And as long as I've been a Wildcat fan my entire life, I feel like I have a pretty good finger on the pulse of what the what the fan base is feeling. And I, I feel like I share a lot of those same things. I'm probably more optimistic than the than the bulk of the uh, than the bulk of, of the of the fan base, but that's okay. I mean, look, the, every every fan base has its optimism, has its pessimism. Uh, Oklahoma, who's been a national powerhouse for years and years and years, had a couple of bad games by their starting quarterback, and the fans were booing the team um, when they had a when they were down by one score in a football game, and it may have caused them their head coach. I don't know. But, I mean, every fan base has it, you know. Nick Saban had to call out Alabama fans last week in his press conference or on, on, his, uh, on his radio show, on the Nick Saban radio show, talking about how fans are completely unrealistic uh, in this day and age. Uh, it's interesting. So we're going to talk about here, in, in the large chunk of the first hour here, we're going to talk about things that we learned about this program, about the Wildcat program under first-year head coach Jed Fish after a 1-11 season. And I think that what we learned, it's not about what we learned. I think it's more about the feeling of the program after just, I mean, it was a dismal season. I mean, it was was a horrible season to be a part of. You know, as I worked for for the program, it was difficult being up there. And as a PA announcer, you know, you kind of have to to tiptoe that line between being a fan and being an official. Because PA announcers are technically a, port, a part of the officiating crew. Technically, by rule, we are part of the officiating crew. Um, we're allowed to embellish some things. We can't obviously be overt um, about a lot of the a lot of the, the ways that we uh, that we discuss things. But technically, we are officials, part of the officiating crew, which pains me because in the Pac-12, it's that's like. I don't know. That's like that's like being you know just a part of like the worst club in school, basically. Um, but you know we have to tiptoe the line, and it, so it's, it's as a fan, and you know you try to to pump up the crowd, and there's not a whole lot of people there, as we saw some really, really, uh, I guess you know a lot of empty seats at Wildcat games this year, and look, that's okay. We expected it. You know, I, I don't. I don't think any program would expect to see fifty-five thousand fans fill a stadium for a team that is winless uh, in their last seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. You know, whatever have you. Um, I, I, you know, I think that would be unrealistic. But I feel like, I feel like, you know, even though we didn't learn a whole lot about the program, because there, there's just there's going to be so much change from this year to next year. There's so much. I mean, there was a lot of change from last year to this year. And then from this year to next year, there's going to be exponential change. You know, the Wildcats have a good-looking recruiting class coming in. And it's not over. I mean, Jed Fish and his assistants are hitting the road today. They're scattered all across the country for the next two weeks during this recruiting period. They're Massachusetts and New Jersey and California and Washington and Texas. And, I mean, they're everywhere. So – you know they they're going to they're going to add upon and improve upon this current recruiting class. So we're going to talk about some of the things that we learned about the program after one an eleven season, uh, some of the highs, some of the lows, and some of the things that we can expect to see 
and I think you know some some realistic expectations. Again, you know my my credo for the last you know, four or five years in basically all walks of life has been for people to manage their expectations. Manage your expectations. I had to tell somebody this the other day. They were upset about something that happened. I was like, you got to manage your expectations. You can't you can't go around thinking everything's going to be hunky dory rosy. You know, manage your expectations. Um, and and we'll talk about that coming up um, after the break. Now, you can join Spears and Ali tonight for Monday Night Football as they broadcast our show live from the famous Sam's at River and La Choya. It's a great spot uh, to bring family and friends down. Uh, real friendly, great place, lots of TVs, plenty of beers on tap for you guys, uh, and, of course, the great food that's at Famous Sam's. So come on down and watch it now every Monday from 3 to 6. Spears and Ali will be broadcasting their show right there from the famous Sam's at River and La Choya, followed immediately by the Monday night football game, so you can enjoy uh, some Monday night football. You can enjoy the 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 broadcast first. Get yourself some swag from the uh, from the uh, the promotions team that goes down there with them, and then you can stick around and uh, watch the Seahawks and the Washington football team tackle one another today. It's a pick 'em, uh, so an interesting uh, you know kind of a kind of a coin flip game tonight. So uh, go ahead and dare check it out. It's at the famous Sam's at River and La Choya. Spears and Ali from three to six, immediately followed by some Monday night football. When we return, what we learned about this program after a 1-11 season, something that was very different from the past two losing seasons. We'll talk about that next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. Glad to be back with you guys here on this Monday. We uh, count down the last couple of days of November heading into December. College Bowl season. We got the conference championships coming up. A lot of exciting things. And then, you know, obviously a ton of other stuff. NHL is in full swing. If you're a Coyotes fan, it's fun to watch some of the other teams play. Uh, Coyotes aren't, aren't very good, although they, they have been gamers for a few, you know, a few of their games uh, recently. Suns are on a 16-game winning streak. Lots of exciting stuff. Um, so Wildcat football, as I mentioned, what did we learn about the program after this 1-11 season? Okay, You throw out the Territorial Cup game. Much like we did last year, we kind of forget about that. Of course, the COVID-shortened season that was slammed together, I think we all realized, you know, that season for the farce that it was, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a season that can't really be quantified in record books. Now, other, you know, in other aspects, certainly it can be quantified. I mean, this, this team was, uh, this program was ruined and wrecked during the, the COVID-shortened season. Not because of their record, but because of other things going on. And unlike the past two seasons, this year's iteration of Wildcat football, this team never quit. You know, several of the players even talked about it. They're like, uh, you know, I know Josh McCauley, you know, was quoted um, a couple of times basically saying like, you know, given our situation this season, any one of the last couple of teams that we, you know, that we had here would have quit. We would have had guys leaving the program, we would have had, you know, quitters, uh, guys giving up on the field, you know, all that kind of stuff. That didn't happen this year. This team never quit, not at any single moment. 
um, I, you know, watching all of the games the, the way that I did. I felt like there was a moment maybe in the Washington State game where I was like, I don't know, maybe these guys are done. Um, but then they, they kind of bounced back a little bit, you know, a, a few minutes later, and I was like, okay, it was just kind of a lapse and uh, a couple of turnovers there. Washington State really good at turning teams over and uh, obviously, you know, kind of cramming the football and, and uh, you know, dismal weather and, and a ton of injuries. I mean, we were playing backups upon backups upon backups in that game uh, and realized that it, it wasn't a team quitting. It was just a team just getting beat is you know, just the way, the way it went. But I don't think at any single moment did this team quit, not on each other, not on the coaching staff, not on the field, not off the field. I mean, sure, there were times where they lost their confidence and those inevitable moments where – a team knows that they're going to lose the game before there were zeros on the clock. You know, there were you know, obviously plenty of those times. And you could see it. You could feel it. Uh, whether it was a you know, home game or road game, you could, you could sense that that had kind of happened. But they never let it extinguish their fire. And I think that's one huge takeaway from this team. And, you know, maybe it was because of some of the leadership in the locker room that was so very, very strong. And I look, it, it was a strong locker room with with the the, the seniors and the super seniors that that this year's team had. Uh, they're going to be sorely missed. Those twenty three guys are going to be uh, sorely, sorely missed. They, you know, from Stanley Barry Hill to, to you know, I mean, countless guys, uh, tons of guys um, that were just great leaders on this team that never let their brothers quit. Um, they kept that fire burning, and I, and I think that that's one of the major takeaways from this year's team. And yeah, look, one and eleven, the record is terrible. You look at you look at some of the statistics. I mean, God, we'll talk about some of the stats here in a moment. I mean, some just some embarrassing stuff out there. We knew, we all knew this was going to happen. You know, you know, I I said at the beginning of the season, I said, look, if this team wins three games, it's a it's it's a monumental success. You know, I talked with uh, I talked with an NFL scout from uh, from the uh, from the Falcons who took in some some Wildcat practices and watched the team and just kind of was interested in what was going on. He told me that we're talentless. I uh, you know, it's, it's just no way around it. It was it was a situation where you know the team as far and, and when I say talentless, I mean as far as like NFL like. Nobody's going to get drafted from this team, okay? <laughs> we, I think, think we can understand that. Um, but, you know, the backups, and it was, you know, guys on the field that just, quite frankly, man, were just completely overmatched in every single way, whether it be athleticism, skill, experience. It was just a deluge of, of tilted talent in the, in the opposing team's favor. Pretty much – Every time we took the field, you know, outside of the NAU game where, you know, thing, you know, things happen. Um, you know, they, this this team was this team was on the short end of the stick talent wise uh, every single time, and even even in the game that they won against Cal, when you know Cal had the, it wasn't even an outbreak of COVID. It was Cal Berkeley's, uh, you know, it was their protocols that that kept a lot of those players off the field that day. There was still. Plenty of talent on that football field for for Cal that day. They just had to th- slam a bunch of guys together that hadn't played together, and chemistry was way way off. You could tell. I mean, it was just the way that game kind of went. 
as far as this team goes, the leadership both in the locker room and by the coaching staff, in my opinion, was the the the, the main reason why they, they you know they never quit. They just kept going out there and fighting and fight. They did. Look, they were. They were in a lot of games this year that they probably weren't expected to be in, the Utah game, the UCLA game, the Oregon game. You know, they had those teams, uh, you know, in you know, kind of at, at certain points before things kind of got away from them in the fourth quarter in a couple of those games. But they were, you know, they were in those games. And against Arizona State, they were in that game until the pick six was thrown. You know, this team fought and they competed, and I think that's the best that we can expect out of them. There were growing pains. There was a slew of unforgivable, uh, unforgivable penalties, game after game. Jed Fish uh, addressed that. You know, I mean, they had 23 penalties in their final two games of the season. Uh, I think they were like, I don't know, 114th or something like that in the country in, in penalties, which is awful. There was an inability to protect the football in big moments. You know, I think I think they led the they led the uh, the entire country in interceptions thrown. Obviously, the Oregon game was a tilt for that. Um, you know, there were timeouts having to be called because of personnel issues on the field. They'd call a timeout because they had 12 men on the field. Then they'd resume play, and then they had 10 men on the field. <laughs> Look, it, it, there was there was some, some comedies of errors going on with this football program from time to time. The ever-present woes in the offensive red zone, you know, just the inability. And, and then we found out that, you know, later that the red zone defense was even worse than the red zone offense was, as, 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 at least as far as NCAA statistical rankings go. We'll talk about that in a moment, as I mentioned. You know, there were a lot of growing pains. And I think there are there are people out there, and rightfully so, feel that the team did not grow enough throughout the season. Um, the coaches didn't do enough to, to help the team remedy some of their problems. And as, I'll, and as we'll talk about in the next segment, sometimes it doesn't even matter, you know, what your statistical you know, values are in certain things. If you're a losing program and you have a culture of losing and you have to overcome that, sometimes you just lose a football game just because. Things happen in football games where you're just like, ah. <laughs> how did we end up doing that? Trading you know, touchdowns for field goals a lot. You know, certain things like that. Turnovers in really, really inopportune moments. I can't even, I can't even begin to count, you just recollect off of my memory, how many times this team had a third and two or a third and one inside the 15 or the 10-yard line on offense and committed a penalty, whether it's, and it, they weren't even like it wasn't even like a holding penalty or something that happened where you're trying to protect your quarterback. You're trying to. It was like, you know, formation penalties and false starts on wide receivers, and you're just like, what in the world is going on here? The team just found a ton of ways to lose games, and Jed Fish even talked about it after the teacup game. Look, we just we found new and inventive ways to come up with with ways of losing this game, and he's right. These are the things that, that, that <clears throat> pardon me, that uh, programs like Arizona, where they were just set up for failure to begin with from the you know from the beginning of the season and the off season, uh, you know after last year, you just have to kind of break those trends, and unfortunately, those leaders that were you know in that locker room were guys that were still kind of carrying around the weight of that losing streak, 
and the inability to win games when they felt like they were close enough to, to you know to pull it out. Things happen in in the world of football, in the world of sports. Teams lose not because they you know not not because of any specific reason sometimes just it just the losing culture happens and you know i know jed fish talked about you know first we lose big then we lose small then we win small then we win big i like it i mean i think it's i think it's a it's it's an interesting take on how not just football but on life in general coming up after the break some of the statistical breakdowns of this team you know, it, it's look, it's ugly, folks. Let's 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 not uh, let's not try to sugarcoat this thing. It's it's ugly, and some of the you know the the way they were ranked, not only in the Pac-12 but nationally, you you can you can understand why this team was the way that they were this year. But it's not all bad. It's not all bad. There are some other things that uh, that this team did extremely well, and we'll talk about that coming up after the break. Now, one of our coworkers. Miguel is uh, raising money to help the children in some of our most needed areas here in Tucson. He's raising money to buy toys for some of our poorest families right here in southern Arizona. Now, if you would like to make a donation and you're able to, we would love to accept your donation, and Miguel's doing a great job of raising money to help these kids. You can make a donation to Miguel's Christmas Cause. Go to ESPNTucson.com. And make one of these kids here in southern Arizona in the Tucson area make their Christmas a merry one. And we thank you for uh, for your generosity and your support. More after this, you're listening to The Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So the NCAA, NCAA the, the website, in case you've never been there before, it's, it's pretty comprehensive, very helpful, uh, the stats.ncaa.org uh, site. They track 47 statistics, team statistics, throughout the year for each team. Arizona finished dead last in the Pac-12 in 17 of those 47. Sounds like a pretty bad number. <laughs> and if they didn't finish dead last they finished second to last in several others uh of those statistical categories six of those 17 were also last in the entire country out of 130 football teams things like punts blocked interceptions the team was dead last in the country in red zone defense and they were dead last in the country in turnover margin now all of these things being said that did not define who this team was. It in no way defined this team during the 2021 season. It's, it's almost like we accepted the fact that things were going to be bad, and so therefore we kind of lived through them. And we found other things to, uh, I guess, to focus on. You know, things like, is the team playing hard? Are they fighting uh, you know, so many injuries on this. There were so many injuries. Like, things that don't even get announced because Pac-12 Networks is so bad at covering these football games uh, at times. Injuries that, that occurred that we didn't even know existed on the field at the time. And then 
we'd find out in the post-game press conference, like, oh, yeah, so-and-so went out in the second quarter. We didn't get him back. You're like, what? <laughs> How did we not notice that? You know I mean? You can't. You can't see the numbers on the field, and you know you're always kind of watching the ball when most people are watching the ball when they're when they're watching football on TV, anyways. Um, so it's tough to it's difficult to see that you know your best defensive lineman didn't return to the game after the first snap of the second quarter. You know whatever have you. Um, you know all these all these statistical things. You know we knew that they were that that this team was not going to be very good. Um, and even though they finished last in this and dead last in this and they were dead last in it, it we didn't let it define the team. The team let it didn't didn't let it define themselves either. They didn't use those things as a crutch. You know, it's not like Jed Fish was going out there and like, man, you know, we just you know we we you know we we our turnover margin is just so bad and you can't win games. And I mean, obviously, you say, well, you can't win games when you when you turn the ball over and your turnover margin is a, is a negative. But yeah, dead last in the country, dead last. I mean, it, didn't, you know, it wasn't even like really even that close either. As as far as turnover margin goes, look, there are there are things that that come along with having a program that is in the situation that they were in when they took this team over in the off season. These are all just results of the inevitable. But I think, the, like I said, the important thing was is the players and the coaches did not let it define them, and I don't think the fans let it define this team either. When we look back at this team, and, you know, in several years, when we look back at when it all started, I don't know where it's going, okay? I think there's a lot of optimism surrounding this program right now, which is great. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm liking what I hear from the fans. Um, I'm liking some of the things that I'm hearing from the media as far as, you know, people who cover this team and then, of course, the passionate fans who love their football team. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing some optimism. Look, there's nowhere to go but up, so I guess optimism is the only course of action here. Um, but I think people are finding the good in what we saw this year. And that's, look, that's always a positive thing. When, when you're trying to find the good through all of the bad, and there was a lot of bad, okay? But we didn't let it define this team. I think in the previous two years, when we watched this football team play, there was no other there was no other course of action than to define the team by their their inability to do several things or their proclivity to uh you, you know to to just get steamrolled and i mean absolutely steamrolled just flat out roll over show their bellies and let the other team just run right over them i mean that happened so many times in the last two seasons it was embarrassing it was easy to define those teams by their their shortcomings. This team does is not going to get that kind of treatment. This team is going to be when we look back on this team several years from now. I think we're all going to look back and say that team was a team that fought as hard as they possibly could, knowing that they're they were between the rock and the hard place, behind the eight ball, whatever you know, whatever statement you want to you know what you want to use uh whatever cliche you want to use to 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 uh, to label that but it was a team that fought a team that didn't give up that didn't quit regardless of their record they got over the you know they got over the hump we celebrated a victory and now we're onward and upward and onward and upward uh, you know is has been a has been a, a a term that we have not been able to use over the last several seasons you know i think 
honestly, I think for the first time since their last Territorial Cup win, which was in 2016, the upset win in Tucson, where we just, I mean, absolutely crammed the football down ASU's throat, I feel like this program is galvanized for the first time in five or six years. I feel a true sense of galvanization, not just within the program itself, but I think the fans, look, again, there are plenty of people who have an apathetic feeling towards this football team right now, and, and I get it. I don't agree with it. I don't think there should be any any fan apathy. and I don't think that you know that true fans shouldn't have apathy. There should be... Uh, you know, a reason to to talk football all year long. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a a junkie. But I feel like this program is galvanized, and I think Jet Fish has done a wonderful job. And and, and look, credit the rest of the staff as well. And I want to I want to credit the administration staff as well. The you know President Robbins, FX Director Hickey. I feel like they have stood behind this program, and and not not you know. When I say standing behind, I don't mean like hiding in an office somewhere. You know, they're they're with the program. They are they are in you know in full support of Jed Fish and uh, and this football team, and I think that's important. Now moving forward, Jed Fish's search for a replacement defensive coordinator, which he outlined the parameters for, will hopefully conclude this week. We thank Don Brown for his uh, his efforts this year. Arizona was one of the top teams in the country in tackles for loss this year, which we have not seen in a long, long time from an Arizona defense. They were very good in tackles for loss. TFLs were way up. Um, in fact, I believe, yeah, we were number two in the conference in TFLs this year behind Utah. Second best team in, in the in the conference behind Utah. Number one team in the country is Oklahoma State. Not surprised. Their defense is pretty good. Uh, so Don Brown takes, you know, takes over the UMass job as their head coach. Unfortunately, you know, for us, UMass had one of the worst seasons in the history of Massachusetts football, and they needed a new head coach. And they went to the, uh, you know, they went to the, you know, to the guy who has been there before, and uh, you know, a fiery guy. They brought, uh, you know, they they brought him home, and we're thankful, and we're I'm happy for for Don Brown. And now the search for a new defensive coordinator begins. Maybe even a new linebackers coach and uh, special teams coordinator because Keith Dzinski is likely to go with. Uh, Coach Brown as well to UMass. Duds is from there. They've been together for a long time. It's it's you know I think it's safe to say that that uh, Dzinski is going to be high on Don Brown's list to join his staff. Also, as far as the Wildcats go, and we'll, and look, we'll talk about defense. I don't want to sit here and be like, well, it could be you know Kurt Maddox or it could be Dante Williams or Jimmy Lake. Here's the fact of the matter: Jet Fish knows a lot of people in the world of football. We we know this, right? I mean. The guests that he brought in to speak at his, you know, at practices each week and in the preseason, and the amount of contacts that he's made. I mean, we, you know, the funny thing is, you know, we've talked about it a bunch of times. Like, like Jed Fish has a lot of friends in the world of football, a lot. So, th- this defensive coordinator hire is wide open. All of these things. Oh, it's going to be this guy. Mm, I wouldn't even put. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put ten cents on that. Just because I just. Jetfish knows way too many people. He's made way too many contacts during his time in football to just settle on the guy that used to be at USC. You know? So we'll wait on that. Hopefully we'll have something by the end of the week and uh, we can have a new defense coordinator and he can get out and start start recruiting for Arizona because right now the Wildcats currently have 15 verbal commits 
with somewhere between 23 and 30 roster spots available for next season. Of course, as I mentioned, Fish and his assistants are heading out on the recruiting trail today, spreading all across the country, trying to uh, trying to get that number up with, uh, as I mentioned, 15 verbal commitments. I think I think those verbals are are fairly strong too. I think most people would agree with that. And uh, if they can add a few more, hey, you never know. T Mac over at Oregon, things may be changing at Oregon with the uh, with the coaching carousel, depending on how badly Utah waxes them in the Pac-12 championship on Friday night. Maybe Cristobal is looking to get out of uh, out of Eugene. Who knows? There's a lot of things still to still to play out here. There's a long ways to go until next season. But I like where the program is headed. I like the fact that they're galvanized, and I'm uh, I'm optimistic about next season. I hope you guys are too. All right, we're gonna take a timeout. When we return, talk about some more football, college football, a big hiring potentially about to happen in the Pac-12 as uh, the the. the of course, papers haven't been signed yet, but it appears that Lincoln Riley is going to be the next head coach at USC. What does that mean for the rest of the Pac-12? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Hey, Week 12 comes to a close in the NFL this week. And tonight's game, Monday Night Football, the Seahawks traveling to Washington to take on the Washington football team. And there is no better way to round out your NFL week than with uh, putting some cash down or putting some uh, credits down, I guess I should say, on FanDuel Sportsbook because FanDuel is giving new customers 30-to-1 odds on either team to win, which means you can place a $5 bet and win $150. Not to mention, for those of you who are uh, veterans of the FanDuel Sportsbook, you can also put together an SGP, a same-game parlay. Um, I love me some Scary Terry. I think Terry McLaurin is an absolute superstar. So you know I'm going to include him in at least two of my uh, of my prop bets here in the SGP that I'm going to run. Probably some over yardage, probably a touchdown, an anytime touchdown from Scary Terry. I'll probably throw in Washington. Uh, Washington's getting a point in this game now. It's no longer a pick. I'm uh, Seahawks favorite by one. So I'll probably throw that in there. I think Washington's going to be game for uh, for this one. Seattle's kind of falling apart right now. Uh, things aren't going so well for them. So uh, so you can put together an SGP as well. Plus, when you win on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, you get paid out in as few as two hours. It's the number one rated sportsbook in America. Check it out for yourself. And if you're already a FanDuel Sportsbook user, you're going to be hooking up all customers with $50 when you refer a friend. So you and your friend could get the $50, which is awesome. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And when you sign up, use my promo code DEAN before this Monday night matchup, and you could win $150 on just a $5 bet. But remember, use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you. 21 and present in Arizona. New Year's is only $10 first deposit is required. Must wager and designate offer market. Max bonus is $150. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. Um, okay, so uh, we don't have enough time to really get into the Lincoln Riley thing, so I'll spin that over to the uh, to the top of the hour. Remember, here on the uh, the Jeff Dean Show, it's just a real quick turnaround. It's like on the it's the show Love Connection. Remember Love Connection, uh, the the game show back in the day. Some of you are old like me; you remember it. Chuck Woolery used to always say, "We'll be back in two and two, or he's like, "We'll be back in two, you know, two commercials, two minutes." That's basically how quickly our turnaround is here at the top of the hour. So we go to break, two minutes, right back at it, and. Um, 
We'll talk about that because we still got a ton of stuff to talk about. I still got NFL to, to, to discuss because I want to talk about things that we saw yesterday, what the playoff seedings look like right now. I'm going to have my power rankings ready for you guys tomorrow. I've been waiting to to, uh, to put together a new power rankings list. I'm super excited about that. I'm not exactly sure I'm going to put it number one right now. It's uh, uh, an interesting take because the Cardinals are on a bye. Uh, last time we saw them, the last couple of games haven't been too great. So um, we'll you know we'll, we'll put together a little power rankings for you. Uh, for tomorrow's show. I also want to talk about the college football conference championship games, the CFP, what that may look like. Wildcat basketball, men's and women's teams are both undefeated. The only Pac-12 school with both men's and women's teams remaining undefeated. I still want to talk about Phoenix Suns as the Warriors are coming to town tomorrow. There is so much going on in the world of sports right now. And it's been four weeks since I've been on the air, so i got like a million things I want to talk about with you guys. So, uh, well, we got an hour to go still, so we'll try to fit in as, uh, as much as we can, including the, the Lincoln-Riley uh, hiring at USC, which has some ramifications outside of just Los Angeles, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about that, put a little spin on it for you, see if you, uh, if you like what you're hearing about that. Stick around, because as I mentioned, we'll be back just shortly after the break here. Be right back here on the Jeff Dean Show for hour number two on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXC HD4 Tucson.